On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every 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 day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. Today's show, we're going to talk about Rudy Gobert, of course. I mean, that's the A topic. That is on the top of everybody's mind. That is the numero uno. That is the head honcho of decisions made by the Timberwolves. What does that mean? You look at the, 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 the Vikings made some trades as well for their draft. You got the Timberwolves making trades. You got the Twins bringing in Carlos Correa, and you got the Wild letting Kevin Fiala go. Minnesota is making moves, and this is what I can say about this. We never know what's going to happen until it happens. And so, yes, the gut reaction from some people, they don't like it. Others, they love it. As we get into this middle segment, we're going to talk a little bit about football, of course, running backs. Who has the best running back group in the NFL? I know a lot of you have opinions about that one. And then, of course, we've got the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each. As I bring Sam Extraman, my producer. Sam, trade. It happened. We, we got to talk about this because Carl Anthony Towns had a lot of issues this season. And I think the Timberwolves are one by one starting to take care of what Carl Anthony Towns was struggling with. But before we get into that, we have a word from our sponsors. Rock Auto. It is a way to shop for auto parts in your pocket. We've all got cell phones. We can all access the web on our phone. We can all jump on our laptops at home if we want, where it's extremely comfortable to browse for auto parts. Much more comfortable than in the store, standing in line, not knowing where to look. And you're spending 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership, rockauto.com offers you brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet, the whole nine yards, and they have reliably low prices for every customer. They are a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Yeah, Sam, and as we jump into this, Rock Auto, I like that. I like the way you preface that. If you think about what do you need from Rock Auto with your car, you walk in, you kind of look at what's wrong, you grab the piece, whether it's a muffler, oil, could be a light. You get it? You got to make sure it fits. This is going to be the key with this one. Rudy Gobert, does he fit? Because I think that's what everybody is talking about across the world. This trade shocked the world. Like this trade was not one of those under the table at the end of the night trades where, you know, nobody's talking about it. It's just like, oh, it's just another small move. Here's a bunch of nobodies getting traded. Let's move on. No, this was a blockbuster trade. When you think about giving up five firsts, you think about giving up key pieces just to get one guy. And so we already thought they had a, we call it the, I call it the big two, little three. You, you throw D'Angelo Russell. Now they have a true big three with Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards. Here's where I take this to now, Sam. If you think about D'Angelo Russell's $31 million, would you rather have that or a, a off-the-court struggling Kyrie who on the court is absolute magic? 
because now the Timberwolves are a contender with the Twin Towers. And Kyrie could be intrigued to play with younger pieces because going to the Lakers, it's just a bunch of old dudes. And Kyrie would have to carry them. And he'd have to play big minutes. Whereas with the Timberwolves, he can come in, play iso ball when the Timberwolves need him. The bigs can get the bigs out the way. But then when he's driving to the lane, like Chris Paul used to do, he can throw alley-oop to Gobert. He can throw a kick-out pass to, to, to Anthony Edwards, who's going to slash and dunk. He can kick it out to Carl Anthony Towns, who's the best big man shooter in the NBA. I think he's like 30-something, 30, high 30, 39% maybe from three on like 2,000 threes or something like that. Like, that's crazy. Like, the man can shoot. And now he's going to get to do it more because he has somebody that can rebound. And somebody that's going to defend. He doesn't have to waste energy playing on the bigs, defending, running the whole court. He can go against some of these smaller fours and these stretch fours where he's the stronger of the group. Now you have the dump in from up top at the at the free throw line. He can dump it down and go bare in, in the post. I mean, there's a lot you can do with this. And then, of course, you still have Anthony Edwards. So that's what I think. This is a ridiculous trade, but it works for the Timberwolves. But if they can find a way to get Kyrie, that puts them number two in the West, in my opinion. Because I think the Warriors are still there. I think everybody else now, because the, the Suns, we saw where they hurt. Uh, you know, if, if you get if you get into their heads, if you get in, well, Devin Booker got hurt, we know that. But if you can get to them, you can you can you can you they bleed, like the Suns do bleed. Everybody thought the Suns were just this ridiculous juggernaut and was gonna be Suns uh, Warriors. Didn't happen. Mm -hmm. The Warriors are for real. The Grizzlies, they're young. They're young. I mean, that's it. They have great pieces. They have great athletes, but they're young. The Timberwolves now. If they can get Kyrie, become the number two team in the West. I don't know. What do you think, Sam? Wow. I mean, scorching hot take, and I kind of love it. Um, so statistically, there's been no discernible drop-off for Kyrie. I mean, he's the exact same guy he was when they, he was winning titles. Um, same guy he was in 2020. Same guy he was in 2019. So he is he's 30 now, but he's the same guy. There's been no drop-off. He's really good. And you, you laid it out well. Off the court, troubled. On the court, spectacular. Um, and you added a piece in Gobert who is not ball heavy. Like, he doesn't need the basketball to make an impact. He's going to score 15 points a game on eight shots because all his shots are dunks, layups, alley-oops, the occasional free throws. Um, he doesn't need the ball much. Now, D'Angelo Russell does. And if you exchange that for Kyrie... It's not really that big a trade-off in terms of, like, needing the ball. Now, I do worry about the cultural fit because you've already done something big to this locker room, Ron. And I'm not saying it was wrong, but you got rid of Jared Vanderbilt, big-time glue guy. People rallied around Vanderbilt. He was that lovable underdog. Patrick Beverly was another glue guy. You know, he was the emotional pulse of that team. Uh, you've shipped off pieces that were valuable to last year's culture. And now you've rocked the boat a bit because you're trying to get better on the floor. If you bring in Kyrie, you are, you're really rocking that boat. Um, now, of course, I was the foolish one last Friday who was saying, don't go after KD. Keep the core together. You don't want someone who's disgruntled and going to you know rev things up in the locker room. You don't want to mess with the culture here. Well, they've already done that um, with Gobert. So I guess if they made a step further and went after Kyrie, I couldn't fault them for going all in. I mean, clearly A-Rod and Mark Laurie want to, they're okay going into the luxury tax. They're okay um, spending a ton of money on these pieces in order to win a title now. Um, so 
hey, I've changed my tune. It's not the most outlandish thing in the world. Why don't they go for it? Yeah, and this is what I'll say to that. Let's be for real. If Kyrie Irving was playing in Houston, if Kyrie Irving, because like if Houston had James Harden, they went after KD, and because they tried, they couldn't do it, and they kept Harden, went after KD instead of KD going to New York, and they bring in Kyrie to Houston, not as big as a market as New York, um, but if they did it, you have a different team. You know, I think any other city, New York and New Jersey had the toughest COVID restrictions of every team in the NBA. Kyrie Irving could only play on the road. He could come. This is the dumb thing. He could come to the center and watch the game. He can come to the arena and watch the game. He had to buy a ticket like any other fan and wear a mask, but he could not play and sit on his team's bench. That's how weird and dumb this got for not just the NBA, but the state of New York. Like, that's that's just literally pushing that envelope to just really like, like how can we be the most annoying, annoying state in this country? And this is how. We're just going to be ridiculous. We're going to let this guy in the arena. He can sit right in behind his team because he's going to pay premium. I mean, he's a millionaire. So, you know, what, 30, you know, $3,000, $5,000 online or whatever he did, you know, to get that ticket, 10 grand even for him. Nothing. Ten grand to sit right behind his teammates with a mask on, but he can't sit on the bench. That's dumb. Like you, you know, he doesn't have the vaccine. You let him in the building anyway with a mask, but that was okay. Now on the road, he could play. He could play wherever they played on the road, but he could not play at home. So I think a lot of the off the court stuff just became about his personal, like my choice. And I'm not going to jump into that because, like, he does have that choice. So who like let the man do what he wants to do. Like if he's going to isolate himself and be off by himself and he's not passing it to his teammates, his teammates aren't getting it. Hey, maybe he's doing the right stuff, but that's where Kyrie Irving and the rubber met the road is when New York set those rules and every other team lifted their restrictions, their States lifted their restrictions, except for New York. That was the only place where Kyrie could not do it. And if I'm not mistaken, I feel like it was one of those like, he couldn't play in New Jersey, but could play in New York or something like it was something weird. Like it was like the weirdest offseason. Plus, then James Harden wasn't happy because he's like, dude, just get the vaccine. You're killing our big three. KD, you know, and, and it became one of those. James Harden was mad at KD for bringing his boy Kyrie in. And Kyrie is like, well, bro, like I thought we were good. And James Harden's like, no, KD is my boy. Kyrie is killing us. And so then that chemistry just got bad. And. At the end of the day, it proves that Kyrie does need a little bit more of a big brother like LeBron. He does need a little bit more guidance of a coach or an owner. And that's where I think you hit the nail on the head. Alex Rodriguez. A-Rod is a great big bro. A-Rod is a consummate pro. A-Rod is a guy that can have Kyrie over his house and Kyrie can feel like, wait, this dude's a billionaire. Let's sit down and have a conversation. Let's talk. You know, oh, is that a picture of J-Lo? Man, tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, like, I think A-Rod can get to Kyrie to get to him up to a point where if he were to come, he'd understand everything. But Minnesota, we know the rules here. He can play here. He's fine. You know, like, they don't really play the Nets. They don't have to go to New York. He's fine. This could be a place. But L.A. is another place. I know LeBron's working hard to get Kyrie in there. He's willing to trade the entire team for Kyrie. We know Kyrie knows what him and LeBron can do together. But this is not the LeBron from seven, eight years ago. This is now 37, 38-year-old LeBron. And I don't know if that's going to work because Kyrie, yes, he can be a go, go, go guy. 
He can ISO ball to death, and he has the best ISO moves in the NBA. He's the best ball handler in the NBA. I mean, him and Steph Curry right there, I think he is a better ball handler than Steph Curry. He's a better post shooter than Steph Curry. He's a better in the lane finisher than Steph Curry. But Kyrie Irving might want to play with some younger pieces like Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and now a defender in Rudy Gobert. They're set to have a big four, and that's a big four that can get you a championship. But up next, we're going to talk NFL running backs. Who has the best NFL running back room in the NFL? I know who I think. I know who you might think. We'll find out what the NFL thinks after this. Up next on the Ron Johnson Show, we're going to get into some NFL football. Training camp's right around the corner. July 24th, teams are going to start to see players trickle in one after one. The running back room is what we're going to talk about today. But in today's segment, as I bring Sam extra in, it's time for Sam's Daily Question. What's your question today, Sam? This is based on a pro football focus article ranking the top running back rooms in the NFL, not single players, the room as a whole. So they've got this categorized run. They have it in tiers. Mm -hmm. Tier one is considered elite backfield, defined mm -hmm. as very good starter and good depth. There are four teams in the elite backfield tier. Can you guess what teams they are? Uh, so you got to go with elite running back rooms. You got to go elite running backs. So I'm going to start with the Tennessee Titans with King Henry. Um, I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts with Jonathan Taylor. Um, I'm going to go Minnesota Vikings with Dalvin Cook. Uh, and that fourth one. Hmm. That's a tough one. Number four. If I go Jonathan, because I can't go Christian McCaffrey. Um, hmm. Elite running backs in the NFL. Because those are my three. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook, and King Henry are kind of the three that are always right there. Um, but Steelers, Najee Henderson, or uh, is it Henderson or Najee? Uh, Najee Harris. Najee um, Harris. But And that is not actually on the top tier. So here's where you're okay. right. Here's where you're wrong. So number two, Indianapolis Colts. You got that right. Yep. Number four, Minnesota Vikings, Dalvin okay. Cook, Kane Wangwu, Alexander Madison. The Titans are in the second tier, which is considered wow. a good backfield. And that's okay. not that's not a knock on Derrick Henry. I think that's a knock on That's a depth. knock on Derrick Henry. <laughs> I don't care who's with him. You put SpongeBob with him. He's still in the lead running back room. Uh wow. wasn't David Cobb there for a minute? I don't know where Cobb is these days. Cobb is a, now uh he's gonna come on our show. We gotta find a day that works. Now that they're out of camp, we might need to get him sooner than later. But he is now the scout for the uh Panthers. So he's in oh, Carolina. Okay. Got it. Um so you've got two to go here. Um you're forgetting I think one where there's a pretty good tandem, a top two tandem, um, that is in the AFC, and that's their number one running back room. AFC tandem. So you got the Raiders, you got the Chiefs, you got the Patriots. None of them. Nope. Um, Packers NFC could have been Packers. Ooh, okay. Well, that's I'll, I'll give that to you because that's the number three team. I was going to say list. Packers. I forgot they have yep. the duo. Yep. Um, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. Yep. With the duo. So, one more. so I forgot about them. The number um, one team. The number one team is in the AFC. Uh, and that's tough when I focus on the NFC so much with the Vikings. Like, it throws me off all the time. Let's see. Who is another good running back group? 
Uh, AFC Who, Chargers. Who's a, co- who's a coach in the AFC that we're pretty familiar with, likes to run the football? Oh, I forgot about that. Nick Chubb uh, with the Browns. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I, yep. I give them that because they do run the ball a lot and they do have a tandem. So I'll give them that. It's the tandem that got them out there. Because I was like, Austin Eckler? Like, who? who is that? Who is that? What are they talking about? Ah, but yeah, knew the Packers. I forgot about the Packers because they have AJ Dillon. Yep, and they they added that was their whole deal when they drafted a running back. Aaron Rodgers wasn't happy they didn't draft a receiver, and now you got the Browns with Kevin Stefanski, a la Zim. Now that would be funny if Zim ended up with the with the uh, Browns as an advisor for their defense because their offense is pretty good. If he if Zim goes and advises the defense. That would be the matchup that everybody wants to see is eventually is the, is the Vikings versus the uh, Browns. But, yeah, so I can see that. I, I do like that top five. I wouldn't – I don't know why the – I mean, in my opinion, I would repl- – I, I do see the Browns up there. You know, and that's tough. That is tough to remove one of those five for the Titans. But I would, though. I still would. I'm trying to think. So if you go Browns one, you go Vikings in there, you go Packers – Colts were two. Colts were two. Man, that's, I guess, you know what? And it is one of those, what have you done for me lately, though? He's been hurt, so his running back backup has had to be a true starter for most of the season last year, and his production wasn't Alexander Madison-esque. So I get that. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that, the rankings? Yeah, you know, I think part of a lot of all these teams that are number one, because their philosophies are are more run first. I guess the Packers would be the one exception there. The Packers still have Aaron Rodgers. They throw it a lot. And the Packers are actually a very – a lot. Who knows what yeah. the Adams going on? I mean. I, this is actually what I want this year, Ron. I want the Vikings to be a little more Packers-esque in the way that they use Dalvin Cook. Because I think they've used Aaron Jones so smartly – um, they, they sprinkle him in after they've had a, you know, throw, throw, throw Aaron Jones, eight yards to the outside, yep. I think. And they keep him fresh too. You know, he usually runs it about 200 times a year. Um, and he's super efficient. I would like to see the Vikings have more of that Packers run pass balance where it is a pass first team, but Dalvin cook is lurking and he's always a threat. And if you get soft defensively, he's going to hit you for 10 yards. Um, I, I think, though, that these teams are certainly benefiting from a commitment to the run. In Cleveland's case, Indianapolis's case, certainly the Vikings' case. I mean, if you give any, a lot of different backs, if you give them opportunities, they're going to produce. They're going to produce. Yeah. There's so many different talented running backs in this league. And and honestly, a lot of it is offensive line play and you know play design and offensive scheme. You know th- That's why people are devaluing the running back is because a lot of different guys can do it. Yeah, true, and I agree with that. I, I did forget about the whole Packers, Vikings. Like, I do like that take because this is the one thing about Dalvin Cook, and this is what to figure out this year. If they do do that, is Dalvin Cook a volume back or is he a strike like lightning back, meaning every five to six seconds, you know, lightning strikes in a thunderstorm. So is he that guy? Can he wait five to six to seven plays almost sometimes? Because you've seen Aaron Rodgers' drives. It's sometimes an eight-pass play drive then an Aaron Jones outside toss or something like that once the defense is absolutely gassed from Aaron Rodgers going quick, 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 no huddle or just loose huddle calling plays. Peyton Manning was the same way with the Colts. I actually was blessed with an opportunity to be in that locker room for two years and listen to him in practice, listen to him in OTAs, watch him at training camp. 
and the way he organized and operated with that offense, it was always, I'm going to get the ball out of my hands quick to Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, and then Joseph Adai. I'm going to get you a thousand yards, but just let me do it my way. Joseph Adai bought into it. You look at all the running backs they've had, Edron James, all the, they all bought into it. Edron James is a, is a Hall of Famer. And he bought into the way Peyton Manning was going to get those guys going. And I think that's going to be the key uh, when you look at what Kirk Cousins can do, what Kevin O'Connell can maybe help him understand, and then this running back at Dalvin Cook. And when you said 10 yards, Dalvin might give you 25 because Dalvin, if he gets a space, if he gets light, light, daylight, and he's healthy. I mean, we saw the Steelers game. Uh, we saw the Packers game. He can break it for 60. Like, that's the difference in Dalvin Cook and, and Dylan and Jones. Like, Cook is a different speed. Like, he is a legit sprinter. Um, he's talked about racing Dan Chisena. Like, he is a legit sprinter out of the blocks. And so that's the big difference. If Dalvin Cook is willing to accept this role and stay healthy, and I think that's the key, health. Because Dalvin Cook's always been, that's always been the knock. You give him the big money, is he going to stay healthy? And so maybe this is the way to stay healthy, man. Look, you're still going to make millions. You're still going to be a pro bowler. You're just going to back up on the carries, but still have the 100, 110 yards a game, but maybe on less carries, maybe on 15 carries, maybe on 17 carries, because you're going to break these for five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 yards. You're going to get more screens. You know, you might be a 15, a 1600, maybe a 2000 all purpose back now. I mean, who knows? Like, we don't know if he's Marshall Falk. We won't know until we know. And that's what's exciting about this Vikings backfield. I do see where the where, where the top five is, but I'm interested to see as, as the season gets going, we'll follow back with this segment. We'll see who has the best mm -hmm. running back room statistically as the season goes. Because normally it's just the back. We'll have to do some math there and see average who has the best, or not average, total who has the best run game, period, regardless of back in the NFL based off those five. But up next, we got the daily three. That's three questions. Three minutes each. Stay tuned. And now it's time for the part of the show that I love. It's the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Sam Ekstrom, take it away. The Twins uh, are staying busy. They're staying in the headlines. Remember last week we were talking about walk-off losses over the weekend, talking about walk-off wins. Byron Buxton walk-off on Friday. Jose Miranda walk-off hit on Saturday. And then last night, 4th of July, extra inning win against the Chicago White Sox. They turned a triple play in the game. So the Twins are, are kind of back on track. They've won three of four after the Cleveland uh, collapse, if you will. So we're into the second half of the season now, Ron. What do you think are the keys for this team, or maybe just focus on one key that you want to see for them to put the lock on this central division? Well, Coach Mason always said this. The difference between eight and three and three and eight is a blink of an eye. You look at those 11 games, you know, and I just say it fit, it fits. Those 11 games, that was a three-game series and an eight-game series, eight of those against the Guardians. They blinked. They blinked a bunch of times. That's the big difference, and now it even makes more sense as I'm an adult. When I was in college, I was like, Coach, what are you talking about? Don't blink? Like, dude, come on, I got to blink. But eight and three and three and eight, it's a blink of an eye, and that's what happens to the to the twins. They they're end up in these blink-of-an-eye scenarios where they can win. Now, this is the key, though, for the twins. They got a win against the White Sox, and my Detroit Tigers did us a favor, mm -hmm. and they've beaten the Cleveland Guardians twice, and they have two more games against these Tigers. Twice they've already beaten them. Are, have the, did, like Some teams play 
to their competition. So maybe the Twins are really just that good because the Guardians also beat the Yankees. The Yankees got two out of three against the Guardians, and the Guardians found a way to beat the Yankees. The Yankees are the best team in baseball. They have the most wins. They've already eclipsed. They went over 55 wins already. They are on pace. Technically, the way they're playing and the teams they have left, they are on pace to win 120 games. That's crazy. But they are on pace to win 120-plus games for the Yankees. And the Cleveland Guardians beat them. So that means the Guardians are good. They're a good team. They beat the Yankees. Now, also, did the Yankees play down? No, because the Yankees are good. The Twins were right there with the Yankees a bunch of times, and they blinked. They couldn't figure out a way to close it. So the key is to close the season out. Clo I'm sorry, close the games out. That's the key. That's my key. Don't blink at the end of games. You're, you're, you're storming back down three, and then you win these games. You're storming back, or you're blowing teams out early, and then you're letting teams back in the game. There's moments where you're blinking. I see it in my daughter's softball team. When they're dialed in and they know, hey, we got to get three outs to win this, they are dialed in. They're making catches. They're throwing girls out. They're playing with each other. Girls are going in the hole backhand and throwing back across the diamond, throwing girls out to win tournaments. Like, when they are dialed in, they are on. Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, like when they're mentally on, when they're hitting, they're, when they're not waiting for their pitch, they're just like, look, if it's close, I'm taking it. They are on. But when they are kind of, hmm, well, we're, we're winning already. Let's just get up here and have some fun. Let's, let's, let's eat some seeds in the dugout. That's when, when bad things happen. And then it, one run after the next run, and then all of a sudden the fans start sitting on their hands. And they're like, oh, there we go again. They're going to lose it. But that's my key. End of the season, don't blink. Hold it together. Because now, if you look at the Twins, 46 wins. Got the White Sox again twice. They technically could probably get 100 wins this year. Because their first half was good. Or sorry, their first quarter of the season was good. Their second mm -hmm. quarter of the season, they've struggled and they've had some injuries. They've had some issues. I think Buxton is kind of off of his play count or his inning count now. He's back to just playing. I think this next quarter, they can come in strong and really go after it. And if they can do that, they can get to 100 wins. I think that's the goal for them now. You can get to 100 wins. If they can get to 100, if their record could be like 101 and 61, that's pretty formidable. It's a pretty good record. 101, 102 wins, like you're right there. And then maybe you don't have to play the Yankees early on. Maybe you get them later in the playoffs. But that's just my thoughts. Yeah, you know, if they continue to put themselves ahead late in games, I got to believe that they fix this bullpen. I mean, they, they will add pieces at the deadline. And if they just keep putting themselves in that spot, you're going to win more than you lose. And that's what they're doing right now. The Twins are in almost every game going back the last couple of weeks. They just haven't finished the games, as you mentioned. Before our next question, I want to tell people about Bet Online, your source for all sports developments, league news, um, MLB lines, NBA futures, all of that jazz. BetOnline.net, the best spot for all the sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. They've got MMA, boxing, and golf lines as well. Check them out today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And Ron, the Timberwolves were making moves beyond Rudy Gobert. They add Kyle Anderson, who the Wolves saw with the Grizzlies in the playoffs. 
Uh, he's a kind of wing defender. He's going to be a gritty, kind of a little bit of rebounding, a lot of defense, a little bit of shooting. Uh, two years, $18 million. And they add Bryn Forbes, a shooter from the Spurs, three-point specialist, uh, to sort of replace that Malik Beasley role. Beasley a part of that Gobert deal. So, Ron, what do you think about those supplementary moves to put talent around Gobert? Oh, this is what I'll say. So, Bryn Forbes, when I go there first, um, you think about a shooting guard who can bring the ball up the court so he can play on the floor with Anthony Edwards. Um, he's a guard that comes in unlike and Patrick Beverly was, was good, but Patrick Beverly wasn't like a shooter shooter. Like you wouldn't consider him one of the better shooters. You, you consider him like a, a, a energy guy, a guy that's going to do some things like put their point guard in the post, um, you know, try to talk trash to John Morant, so on and so forth. Uh, a true defender that's willing to just put his nose in there and be a mosquito. Uh, Bryn Forbes, if you look at who he's played for Michigan state, you look at, um, the whole San Antonio Spurs. So he has that culture of like team first, put the ball around in the blender. I'm not going to shoot unless I'm wide open and it's my shot. I'm willing to make that secondary pass to Anthony Edwards to get him going. Um, he's a guy that's going to come in and be able to be that second point guard behind Kyrie Irving, hopefully. Um, if you look at Kyle Anderson, again, what did Carl uh, Anthony Towns struggle with? Perimeter defense. Make, not moving his feet when he's tired. Uh, getting down the court sometimes and just being an absolute brute force object, blunt force object, and just running into people. And then everybody's questioning, why is he still on the court with three fouls? Um, I think that's going to be the key with Gobert and Kyle Anderson. Again, you're freeing up Cat to even in that instance, because everybody talks about these death lineups, these small ball teams. Go big. Go, go big. Call it something different. Call it the Goliath lineup. The Goliath lineup is Carlton like Towns, Kyle Anderson, uh, Gobert, Ant Edwards, and then whoever else is at guard. You know, have Ant Edwards at the point. Just anybody. Draymond Green brings the ball to the court. Nobody presses anymore. Like, guards wait at half court. If you got somebody that can dribble the ball, anybody can bring it up the court. Uh, the, the days of the Isaiah Thomases having to deal with a, you know, a guard, 94 feet, you know, guard, nobody does that anymore. Uh, other than Alvar, the kid, uh, I think it's Alvarez or whatever his name is from uh, the Pelicans who like likes to hide in the corner and steal the ball. Yeah. Nobody does that. Nobody's playing full court. Like Chris Paul used to do that uh, back on his days with the Clippers when they would just kind of run nonstop, all go, 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 alley-oop. Oop City is what they call themselves, or Lob City. They don't do that anymore. You don't have anybody. So anybody can bring – so let's go with the Goliath lineup. Let's force them to bring some bigs in because whoever is on the small guy, get it into them. Hey. You got a guy on either 6'6 six, six and you're 6'10. You got a guy on either 6'9 and you're seven feet. Hey, dump it in. Let's see what he can do one-on-one. -on -one. Let's spread the ball, spread the floor out. We still got shooters, but we got a bunch of guys that can crash the boards. I mean, it's why not? Why not? Especially if you're not playing a team like the Warriors who can who's gonna shoot you out of the game because you can't trade twos for threes with the Warriors. But some of these other teams like Memphis, who aren't great three-point shooters all the time, go score for score with them. Wear them down. Get them in foul trouble in the paint. I like I like the perimeter moves. I like the exterior moves they made because uh, you got to add pieces. When you trade away your future, you got to add pieces now, and they're doing it. Yeah, it's amazing how much depth there is in the league nowadays because I barely heard of Bryn Forbes before this signing. The guy's taken 1,700 threes in his career. He's made yeah. 700. He's a 41% shooter from, from long range. Now he doesn't rebound doesn't pass, doesn't really defend much, but he shoots threes. And that's what Malik Beasley did, and that's what Forbes will do. Um, so I like that pickup. Steve uh, Kerr. Ka 
Steve Kerr. Kyle Anderson didn't I didn't love watching him with Memphis in the playoffs because he's so and they call him slow mo run. I don't know if you remember mm -hmm. that, but they call him slow mo because he's so methodical, kind of unathletic looking, but he's effective. Um, so maybe that'll that'll strike me differently when I'm watching him on the Wolves. So I've got one more uh, Vikings question for you, and I want to ask you about Ezra Cleveland, Ron, to close the show. Is this a breakthrough year for Ezra Cleveland? Year three, left guard, felt like he took strides last year as well. Is this the year where he becomes maybe a Pro Bowl talent on that offensive line? Yeah, so if we're just going to put him in the left guard, um, because it seems like that would be the best place, Kurt's blind side, uh, you got him in, in, in a big, huge Christian Darisaw over there um, in a felt Ezra Cleveland um, at guard, uh, more mobile, more movable, uh, more agile, uh, and then right guard, one of these veterans most likely are going to win that spot, um, unless all of a sudden the rookie out of the LSU just blows them away in training camp, which can happen. Don't, don't, don't denigrate training camp in those first couple of preseason games. And the one I'm going to love, and I can't wait for this, the dual team practice. Cause when you get to practice against another team, you really get to let your linemen go at it. Like they can't go at it against their defense. Like they can't really bang. They can't really, uh, uh, let's be honest. They can't really blindside hit a guy in the side of the back or side of the helmet or the side of the shoulder. Cause you're a guy, you're trying not to take it, but you can, you can hit the other team in the ribs. You can absolutely tee a guy up in the run game because if uh, the only thing you can't do is go low. If a guy is blocking and you are coming in to smash him for a double team, oh, you can hit him in the ribs. You just can't go below the belt and hit him in the waist or the butt or the legs because then that is considered a high low and that's a flag. But you can tee off on some guys. And so let's not forget these rookies, LSU has put out some great NFL talent. And maybe the offensive line is the next one for LSU to say, hey, look, man, it's not just our receivers and DBs. We're NFLU. I mean, Pat, um, was it Patrick McQueen or Patrick Queen, uh, linebacker? I mean, they, mm -hmm. they've got some guys. they got some guys of guys. I mean, of course, you still got Daniel Hunter. Um, but I think Ezra Cleveland in this offense, again, I keep bringing it back to this. And, 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 and every time I talk to other people, I love getting other perspectives of people. And, of course, 4th of July was better than a football conversation. And so a guy – came up to me because he knows, you know, what I do for the Vikings. So he's a Vikings fan. And we had a, a long conversation, about four or five guys uh, sitting out, you know, on the water. And the guy's talking and he's like, hey, what do you think about Kevin O'Connell? And so as I'm talking it through and Kirk Cousins, he, he, put, he, he had some Skip Bayless type points for me. And I, and I appreciate it. And this is what he said. Yes, Kevin O'Connell is smart. He's going to have all this stuff set up. You look at the film they're watching, whether it's Rams film or 49er film or whoever, Packer film, because LaFleur does some great stuff. Can Kirk Cousins actually get it done? And I think that's the next step because a lot of the Stafford play action, he took some hits. I mean, we talked about how tough Matthew Stafford was and how he stood in there and took hits when he's allowing these receivers to create their routes when they're on the field. Is Kirk Cousins willing to do that? Is he willing to stare down the barrel of a gun and at the last minute, Throw the ball as the as the as the trigger is being pulled, as as a guy is coming right at him, as the bull has been let out of the stable, right as the matador is lifting up that cape. There's a bull right there. Kirk Cousins got to throw the ball, close his eyes, and take a hit. Can Kirk Cousins do that? Only time will tell. And I think that's where it stands. Matthew Stafford, we know he was a tough sob. Like he was one of the toughest guys, or not one of. He is. 
one of the toughest. Now was, he still is one of the toughest guys in the NFL when it comes to quarterbacks. They're just players, playing with broken ribs, playing with broken, you know, broken fingers. I mean, he to do play with a broken shoulder at one point or whatever, clavicle. Like, this guy is tough. So is Kirk Cousins that guy? That's what we have to find out. But, yeah, if he can – if Kirk Cousins can do the things he's supposed to do within his offense, yeah, I think Ezra could – because, again, you're not going to put your line in a bad position when you have a coach talking you through a lot of the stuff you're seeing on the field because as long as Kirk Cousins doesn't put his hand in the center and it's not – and there's more than 15 seconds left on the clock, I think that's when they cut it off. I think 40 is 25 and then 35 is 15. He can hear the coach. He just has to stay back away from his team, and his coach can talk him through it. That's why Stafford stays back, and then he runs up last minute and then starts doing stuff. He's listening to Sean McVay. Same with Jared Goff. Sean McVay was talking them through some stuff. So I, I think, yeah, this is the year for Ezra Cleveland, but it's going to be predicated on Kirk Cousins. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I think that his rookie year was tough. Um, you know, COVID year, obviously, he didn't get the start immediately that season. He had to sit on the bench half a year. Year two, he's going through offensive line change at the left tackle spot. So it goes from Riley Reef to Rashad Hill to Christian Derrissaw. Hard to have continuity. So I think this year with better continuity, I think he was improving a lot in the second half of last year. Mm -hmm. So I could the trend is going in the right direction for Ezra Cleveland. He's got the right coaching around him. He's got consistent pieces on either side of him. You just got to not get past like a turnstile you know you can't let those free runners get by you to Kirk Cousins um and I think that he's in position to be more consistent this year so I I'm pretty bullish on Ezra yeah well that'll do it for the Ron Johnson show today we want to thank everybody that continues to subscribe on YouTube those that have downloaded the podcast wherever you get your podcast just continue to download subscribe share tell a friend comment on YouTube as well if you're watching let us know what you think Who's the top five running back crew? What do you think about the trade Rudy Gobert? And is the Vikings O-line going to be solid finally this year after so many years of everybody worried about this offensive line? But that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. Thank you. Have a great day.